have some words of wisdom from Mr. Know-it-all. You can't just lie and cheat and break the rules you don't like. You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello, 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 and welcome back. This is Storytime, and I am Gamer Dude. Thanks for coming back for another episode of Stories. Today's episode is about language and words and, you know, the stuff we communicate with. I got good words to use. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but words and language are important to all of us, and I grew up in, a, in an environment where words and language were very important. My mother, as I've said before, and as you probably recall, was an English teacher when she first graduated from college, and she was teaching English and theater for several years before I, before I arrived on the scene and screwed everything up for her. But um, when I was growing up, this background in English and this background in language was very important and had an impact on how she raised all of her kids. So we were taught the importance of words and the importance of language. Not only were we taught that, we were taught we couldn't even have an accent. I know, right? What kind of accent would you have in the U.S.? Well, anybody who knows the U.S. knows that there are accents all over. There's the Southern accent and the East Coast accent and the West Coast accent and the Midwest accent. My mother made it clear that we had to enunciate our words very carefully. As a result, we never picked up the New Jersey accent. We never said water. We never said coffee. There's always coffee and water because that's how you pronounce words. We had to enunciate clearly. One of the memories that I have as a child was misusing a word because I, I thought it was a funny word. I never bothered looking it up. Not a curse word, don't worry. Uh, but it was in, it, I remember where I got it. It was in a Peanuts comic strip. If you remember Charlie Brown, uh, the comic strip was called Peanuts. And there was an there was a strip where um, one of the characters, I believe it was Linus, said that something made him nauseous. Now, I had no idea what nauseous meant. I just thought it was a funny word. It was in a comic strip. It had to be funny, right? So there was this one day where I was in a fight with my sister. And we were going at it, you know, verbally. We, didn't, we were not allowed to hit each other. That was another rule we had, but that's a separate issue. But boy, we could jaw at each other. We would be yelling at each other and stomping back and forth. And I don't even remember what I said, but I said something wrong, and I was sent to my room. And my mother said, "You can't come out until you can't come out of your room until you apologize to your sister." And I yelled through my bedroom door, "I can't apologize to her. The thought of it makes me nauseous." And I thought I was being funny and clever. Apparently, I wasn't. I was being hurtful because my mom <laughs> went off on me. What do you mean that apologizing to your sister makes you sick to your stomach? I had no idea that's what nauseous meant. I just threw it out there because I thought it was going to be funny. Apparently it wasn't. My sentence to the bedroom was doubled as a result of that. I did not see the light of day till the next day because apologizing to my sister made me nauseous. But that's one of the episodes in my life that led me to understand the importance of using the proper words in the proper context. Now, today's story time is, again, going to be part stories like that, and also part rant. It seems that I've been ranting a little bit, so I'm sorry if my stories have been devolving a little into rants, but I guess that's part of why I do story time, because the stories of my youth influenced me to the extent that I'm the person that I am today. So if you understand what I went through as a child, you kind of understand the kind of guy I am now. 
And that's why words are important to me. Language is important to me. Using the proper words in the proper context is important to me because my mother drilled that into us. We really knew the difference between right and wrong and good and bad and nauseous <laughs> and other, other words that could have bad meanings to my mother. Now, the words that I've, over the years, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. I'm going to sound like the grammar police, the language police, whatever it is. Uh, and I plead guilty to that. And you can blame my mother for that. But over the years, I've encountered people misusing words or using words improperly. And it makes me crazy. But I don't like to be the language police. I'll just sit and grit my teeth and judge you silently if you use words improperly. Because I don't like to embarrass people, but boy, oh boy, do I hate when people use words improperly. And that's my mother's fault too, because it, it made her crazy when people would use words improperly. Now, one of the first examples of this was actually not a word that's used improperly. It's actually a non-word. It's the non-word irregardless. And I learned this at my mother's knee. By the way, this list that I'm going to go through, starting with irregardless, but going through a bunch of words that I've accumulated, and believe me, this is not going to be the full list. I have <laughs> I have a long list of things that irk me, but this list is not something that I created. If you go through the internet, you'll find this stuff all over the place. People have issues with words and phrases, and people have been writing about it for years, and no matter what people say, no matter what people do, people will continue to misuse words or use words improperly or make up words that they think are words because they sound right, and they're not, and it makes me crazy. But my mother taught me about irregardless. If you look up the word irregardless in an old dictionary, something that's more than 20 years old, and yes, I have old dictionaries. <laughs> I don't get rid of books, and I have dictionaries dating back probably 30 years because I'm a book nerd. I'm sorry, but I am. Even dictionaries count as books, and I don't get rid of them. So yes, I can look up the word irregardless in a 30-year-old dictionary, and it's not there because it's not a word. The non-word irregardless is used to mean regardless, but people think that irregardless is the word. So much so, if you look up irregardless in a current dictionary or even online, you'll find it listed as a non-favored pronunciation or usage of the word regardless. But please, for the love of God, don't use irregardless. Not for the love of God, for the love of me or for my mother's sake. My mother would, she would go crazy when she heard people say irregardless. Oh my God, I can't believe this educated person on television is using the word irregardless. It's not a word. Who do I write to? And she would dash off a sternly worded letter to whatever network or radio station she was watching or listening to, explaining that irregardless is not a word. Yes, that was my mother. And yes, that's where I get it. So irregardless is not a word, so please don't use it. You want to say regardless. Yes, this whole podcast is going to be like this today. Sorry. <laughs> but these things do make me crazy. There are certain things that just bother me. I dated a girl years ago, and we always celebrated February 14th, and I always bought her a Valentine's Day card. But she always liked to celebrate Valentine's Day with an M. And oh my God, if for no other reason, that's why the relationship ended. Because there is no Valentine's Day. There's no M in the word. There just isn't. 
I don't know why she said it, and I was too nice and too in love to correct her, so I never did. But, oh, it grated on me like nails on a chalkboard every time February 14th rolled around and we were going to celebrate Valentine's Day. I wanted to point out to her, if you read the card, read, read, read the card. It says Valentine's Day, but I never did. I would now, but at the time. But there's another one. Please, please don't celebrate Valentine's Day. The next big one on my list And this may even cause controversy for some people. But the word that you're looking for is supposedly. If you use supposably, where you want to say supposedly, I will judge you. The caveat here is there is technically a word supposedly, but it doesn't fit where people use it. Supposedly means, and yes, I'm a nerd, I looked this up. Supposedly means capable of being conceived supposedly means according to what people believe. So, you would say, supposedly, she's coming over. That's how you use the word supposedly. The word supposedly, which is wrong 99% of the time that you use it, doesn't fit there. And in fact, you probably never want to use the word supposedly because it means conceivably. So just say conceivably and avoid any issues. But please, for the love of God, just don't say supposedly when you mean supposedly, please. This is another one that made my mother crazy. Absolutely made her crazy. Now, this goes back years, but it keeps cropping its head up every few years as some other politician comes forward and misuses the word nuclear. President George Bush, the second George Bush, was the greatest offender on this front because he would always insist on saying nuclear. Nuclear dates back years and years and years. It was always wrong. And again, my mother would go off if she heard a politician, a newscaster, anybody in the public light say nuclear energy is the answer to our future power problems. Not because that was was true or not true, but because they used the word nuclear. It would set her off. The word is nuclear. Think about it like um, a new window cleaning product. Nuclear. Nuclear. That's it. Nuclear. That's the best way that I can tell you how to pronounce the word correctly. Because it grates on me. And again, thanks to my mother, that mispronunciation is another one that makes me crazy. Yeah, I told you, there's a, there's a long list here. I'll try to keep it entertaining, but as long as I've got this podcast and as, as long as I've got this history with my mother in the back of my head all of the time talking to me about, don't say it wrong, don't say it wrong, make sure you pronounce things correctly, I have to share it with you. I can't help it. It's pent up inside me. So this is one of those podcast episodes where it's you get the benefit of it or... You you have to bear the burden of it, whichever way you want to view it. But the, uh, the newest word that is making me crazy is niche. Let's take the phrase, I've found my niche, meaning I've found the place where I want to be. I found the hobby that I want to do. I found the job that fits me. That's my niche. People are pronouncing it niche. It's not a niche. It's not a niche. It's not a niche. It's a niche. There's an E on the end, but that's just one of the little stupid little grammar rules and language rules of the English language that the word niche 
has an E on the end of it. It's a silent E, but it doesn't make the word niche. If the word was niche, it might be spelled N-E-E-S-H. It's not. It's spelled N-I-C-H-E, and it's pronounced niche. Now, niche, just like regardless, are the correct usages and pronunciations of the words. But if you currently look up niche and irregardless, you will find them in current versions of dictionaries. That doesn't make them right. And if you look at them, and if you try to look them up in 30-year-old dictionaries, you will find that niche is not a correct pronunciation. It's not even a recognized pronunciation from years ago. The reason that niche and irregardless have become accepted and are now in dictionaries is because so many people keep using them incorrectly. The people at Merriam-Webster just kind of threw up their hands and went, fine, put the definitions in. We don't care anymore. If you people don't care, we don't care. Here, have niche, have irregardless. But people, help me save the language. They're not correct. Irregardless and niche are not correct. I bet you never thought that anybody could get so passionate about the English language. But I am. I am. This stuff matters. And it means something to me. So now you have to share that love. Or you don't have to. It's up to you. Now here's another one. This is, actually it's a couple. This is not necessarily a misusage or a misspelling as much as it is a mispronunciation. And again, it's just articulation. And believe me when I tell you, my mother would sit me down and literally take minutes out of her day to explain to me correct pronunciations and correct enunciation. And we had to say things carefully. I had, for instance, I had tongue twisters that I had to learn, both to make sure that I was pronouncing things correctly and to make sure that I wasn't lisping or not saying my R's. For instance, rubber baby buggy bumpers. That was one of the tongue twisters my mother gave me to work on my R's when I was a kid. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. As long as I said it correctly, things were good. She sells seashells by the seashore. That's for my S's and my SH's. And we had to go through these so that we could perfect our pronunciation. So that's where this pronunciation and language obsession comes from. It's my mother's fault. So when I hear somebody say something like, especially today... Or, I hope we escape. I just want to smack the spit out of their mouths. There is no G in the word especially or escape. So please, don't put one there. Now, my mother also had some issues with often or often. And I gotta say, I've looked on that one because my mother would beat it into my head. The word is often, the T is silent. But you know, this is one of the first times I went against my mother because I looked it up And dating back years and years, the pronunciations are pretty much 50-50 on often or often. So I can't really criticize anybody who says either one, even though my mother did. But this is what I mean about my obsession resulting from her obsession. Because she would say these things and I would just accept them as gospel. But then I would look things up like often and often because I wanted to confirm, well, uh, you know, it's my mom and she's never wrong except uh, she might be. And in the case of often and often, she might have been wrong. So I actually say either one, depending on the context, depending on, (laughs) I don't even know what it depends on. I just sometimes say often and sometimes I'll say often. So I'll give you often and often as long as you give me regardless and niche. And please, you can never have escape, but you can have often. 
other words that make me crazy. There's a difference between imply and infer. People will say that he's inferring something when he says a particular phrase. No, he is implying something when he says a particular phrase. The meaning of what he is implying is what you infer internally. So, rule of thumb, the speaker implies, the listener infers. That's the way that works. So please don't say, well, I, I'm trying to infer something here. No, you're not. You're trying to imply something there. I'll do the inferring. You do the implying. Now, this is some phraseology that would make my mother crazy. I know that because it did. I went to school when I went to college. I went to school in the Midwest. And there's some phraseology out there that my mother just couldn't understand. I, I had several friends out in Ohio, out in Michigan, who would tell me that something needs fixed, or their shirt needs ironed, or the house needs cleaned. And I would look at them and I would say, do you mean it needs to be fixed or needs to be cleaned or needs to be ironed? And they would say, that's what I said. It needs fixed. I don't get it. I don't know where the usage came from. My mother was having a cow when I told, when I told her that's how they spoke in the Midwest. What are you talking? What is wrong? Why did we send you to Ohio if they don't even know how to speak correctly? Yes, my mom was... <laughs> My mom was a language snob, and she passed it on to me. Another biggie for me, and this is, again, from my mom. The Genesis has it with my mom. But it's even worse for me because as somebody who talks a lot and as somebody who writes a lot, the difference between something that's ironic and something that's coincidental is important and overlooked by most people. There's a huge difference between irony and coincidence. Coincidence is things that happen to occur at the same time or one after the other. Irony is something entirely different. Let me give you an example. If you break your leg on the day before you go on a ski trip, that's not ironic. That's a coincidence, but it's not ironic. What would be ironic is if you go to the mountains for a ski trip and when you left, there was more snow at home than in the mountains. That's irony. And that's why Alanis Morissette's song about irony makes me crazy because there's no irony in the song. There's a lot of coincidence, but not a lot of irony. Irony, and again, I don't mean to get too technical, but this stuff matters to me. Irony is some type of reversal of what was expected, like the ski trip where there's more snow at home where you left than where you went to go do the skiing. A beach trip where it rains all day at the beach and it's sunny back home, that would be ironic. Now, you can tell I've been... <laughs> you can tell I've been putting a lot of thought into this stuff. And I have, I have a really, really, really long list of stuff that's bothered me over the years. I am not going to bore you with all of them. Unless you really, really want me to, you can send me a message on Twitter, or you can message me on Twitch, or you could leave a comment on the podcast itself if you want part two of words and language. But before we close today, I am going to share with you just a few more <laughs> because it's important. And these are ones that you may run into 
in your everyday life, and maybe you can take them out of your everyday life. I'm not asking you, I'm not deputizing you to become the language police with me. You can if you want, but you do not have to do this. But what I do ask is, if you say any of these things, please stop. I'm begging you. So, do not say, for all intensive purposes. That's ridiculous. The phrase you're looking for is, for all intents and purposes. It's entirely possible that you could have an intensive purpose, but that's not what the phrase is. The phrase is, for all intents and purposes. What that means is, in all the most important ways, for all intents and purposes. That's what you're trying to say. So say that. Also, there is no statue of limitations. Well, let me retract that. There may be a statue of limitations, but that's not what you're trying to say when you're thinking about a statute of limitations. Because a statute of limitations is an actual law that gives you the time period within which to file a claim. That's the statute of limitations. The statue of limitations may be something that's carved in a park somewhere, but has nothing to do with the time period within which you can file a claim. The next popular phrase that I'm going to shoot down for you, and I apologize for it, is I could care less. Because that's not what you're trying to say. What you're trying to say is, I couldn't care less. To be an appropriate usage, to get the right put-down feel that you want when you say, I couldn't care less, you have to say, I couldn't care less. If you, if you say, I couldn't care less, it means exactly that. It's impossible for you to give less of a shit about this than, I couldn't care less. Now, this is another one that I've heard, and it makes me laugh because I, th- I picture myself on a spaceship. When I hear somebody talk about the escape goat, I feel like I'm on a spaceship, and instead of a capsule to uh, fly me to freedom when the spaceship breaks up, there's an escape goat. You're not looking for an escape goat. You're looking for a scapegoat. A scapegoat is somebody to blame things on. I guess an escape goat is a way to escape a spaceship that's crumbling. And as long as we're talking about animals, please, for the love of God, it's not a doggy dog world. It's a dog eat dog world. What what even is a doggy dog world? Please, I'm begging you. Stop saying doggy dog world. Finally, at least <laughs> at least for this episode, can we please stop saying it was nipped in the butt? I guess it was nipped in the butt in a doggy dog world, but the phrase you're looking for is nipped in the butt. You nip something in the bud because As with a flower, you're cutting it off before it could grow into something. If you're nipped in the butt, you've been spending far too much time in a doggy dog world. That's... (laughs) Okay, that's my rant. (laughs) Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. Oh, there's plenty more, but I think that's enough for today, don't you? (laughs) Thank you for indulging me on that one. And you can blame my mother for the fact that all of that stuff is rattling around in my head. If nothing else, (laughs) I hope it's entertaining. Guys, thank you so much for continuing to tune in and listen to these podcasts. It means a lot to me. I love doing them. And I appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen and comment and just spend time with me. It means the world. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks for being here. And until next time... You take it easy, 
and I'll see you when I see you.